Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan on News Talk. First on the show today, though, um, the latest, this is the Environmental Protection Agency report out today. Transport emissions here in Ireland, they're up 6% in the last year, despite the fact that there's been a rise in electric vehicles. So what's the solution? Are there solutions? Take a listen to Cara Gustenberg. She's a member of the Climate Change Advisory Council. She was chatting on breakfast earlier. Yeah, all eyes are on transport today. It had a 6% increase on 2021. Now it's still a little bit down from pre-COVID levels, but obviously it's rising as we get back to business as usual. It's still on the rise. And it really shows that we have to get out of this mindset that it's all about electric vehicles. Uh, Electric vehicles are not going to be the solution to our transport issues. It is really going to have to be about much more public transport built rapidly. And I think Brian Caulfield said it well. We have to build, you know, 50 years worth of transport infrastructure in 10 years. So, So we really need to accelerate the public transport infrastructure. So what radical measures do you think we need to try and bring down transport emissions in Ireland? Or how radical should those initiatives be? 087-1400 106 is the WhatsApp number. Environmental journalist John Gibbons is with us on the line. John, are we too heavily reliant on electric cars to bring down our transport emission figures here? Uh, Hi, Andrea. Yeah, I think it it certainly has been something that uh, has worked relatively well. In other words, the uptake of electric vehicles in Ireland is really starting to is really starting to to, to gain traction. So, for example, we know this year, 19 percent, so roughly one in five of all new cars uh, on the roads in Ireland are electric. And they genuinely make a difference to emissions. They really do. Uh, But the problem here really is that uh, overall, the amount of activity, the amount of transport activity ongoing is increasing. Uh, that includes uh, road freight. Uh, and also, uh, bear in mind that while one in five new vehicles are electric, the overwhelming number of vehicles on the road are still, of course, um, internal combustion engine, diesel and petrol, because that they're the legacy vehicles that are on the road. And we've got um, well over 2 million vehicles. I think it's about 2.3 million on the road. And it's in, uh, no, our population has definitely increased, and that's been a factor. But I think some of the things that have been incredibly unhelpful, Andrea, I think in terms of our transport emissions, is that we have some of the most dispersed populations anywhere in Europe. For example, Ireland has over 400,000 once-off houses. This is because of our chaotic uh, planning uh, regulations or the fact that we allow uh, this type of chaotic uh, population distribution, that basically means that you have individuals, families, completely car dependent, not just dependent on the cars to go to the shop to get a pint of milk, to drop the kids to school, Mm. to bring them to, and totally dependent and up and down every by road in Ireland, in rural Ireland, you've got once off houses. Now, that's a massive problem. They're difficult. Uh, You know, those kind of difficulties are really tough to overcome. And of course, uh, while it might have been, you know, a quick political win for the local politicians who might have pushed, uh, you know, for popularity to get that planning done. It has baked in problems where we have this uh, population distribution that's really difficult to overcome, huge car dependence. And of course, when you've got one-soft housing like this, it, it basically it's very difficult to support communities with it. Uh, because but you can't blame they, the one-off housing in rural Ireland for the, the transport emission figures at the moment. Well, I mean, that 400,000 is a significant contributor because remember, uh, there are going to be much higher use, users of cars than people in urban areas. So do you, mean too, do you mean too many? Are we taking too many trips, John, in the car or are there too many cars in the road? 
Well, it's a combination. It's all of the above. And, an, and another factor, Andrea, that we should add into this mix is that over the last 10 years in Ireland, uh, SUVs have gone from being roughly one in 10 vehicles to one in two vehicles. So what we found, and we've seen this on the global figures, is that all the gains that have been made in electrifying vehicles, all the emissions reductions have been pretty much wiped out by the fact that cars are getting bigger and heavier, bigger, heavier cars. In other words, SUVs, which are very much, a, a, I suppose, a fashion item. They've become this fashion item over really, and this has all happened in the last decade because the car companies discovered that there's better margins in selling bigger boxes, uh, SUVs. So they've basically moved away okay. from promoting smaller, more efficient cars. Let's bring in, um, to get a couple of other voices, John, too. Brian Cook is Director General at um, uh, the SIMI. Brian, thanks a million for for joining us here in the programme today, the uh, Society of the Irish Motor Industry. Um, You've been looking at the report. Is it, like when we talk about transport emissions, is that purely down to the number and the type and the size of cars that are on Irish roads, Brian? Well, look, I I think if you delve down into the report, obviously there's been an increase in transport emissions over the last, uh, between 2022 and 2021, which is not the way we want to be going. But I do think you are comparing, you know, a a year of lockdown against a year of non-lockdown. So since 2019, emissions have come down from from road transport. They're down about, uh, I think they're down about 4.6% according to the report. So, So there is some good news in the report. I think the electric vehicle piece that John has referred to there as well, we're seeing an increase in electric vehicle sales. We, we'll have 100,000 between electric and plug-in uh, vehicles on the uh, cars on the, on the Irish roads by the end of this year, which is more than doubled over, over a two-year period. So, so the electric vehicle piece is actually going in the right direction, and we should hit our 2025 target. But, of course, transport emissions, is, it's a much bigger picture than that. And again, what John said, public transport, I think if you look at the government's climate action plan, the vast, the overwhelming amount of financial support that the government is going to give over the next decade is to, is to public transport. And the second piece of it is active travel, which is getting the second largest. So the electric vehicle project is getting the least amount of money. At the same time, it has to deliver for the government's climate action plan, 50% of the transport reduction. So, so the electric vehicle piece is really, really important, but it is only one piece of the jigsaw. Mm. But are we too, like, do, do, when people think of transport emissions and, you know, maybe they want to be environmentally aware, conscious, they want to make an effort and going to maybe go electric, change the car. But like, is that, is it enough, Brian? No, it's not. It's not enough, and I think um, I think the, the electric vehicle at the moment is really a new car market because we don't have a, a used car stock to create a, a used car market. So, so for the vast majority of people, an electric vehicle isn't an option today. So, so what we need to do is we need to give them other options, you know, um, and, and other, some of those other options are not cars; they are actually active travel. And as I said, the government's primary focus is on public transport. Well, public transport does take a long time to deliver at scale. And probably some of the benefits of public transport won't be seen until the 2030s. Sure, it barely but in exists, interim, Brian, in parts of the country. Oh, yeah. I mean, public transport, I live in Dublin, and public transport is not as good in Dublin as people, for, for everybody. Not everybody lives on the Dart Line or a Lewis Line, uh, and I'm one of those people who doesn't. So, so, so it is, but it's not, a, it's not a solution for everybody. But we, we have to take every game we can, and we do have to improve public transport in the regions as well and in rural Ireland. Uh, again, John mentions the, you know, the planning development of Ireland over the last 50 or 60 years has been one of dispersal, not just in one-off housing. You know, young people who, are, who work in Dublin, who are from Dublin even, 
a lot of cases they live 50 or 60 miles from where they work. And, you know, for them, you know, an early morning commute, which has its lifestyle challenges as well, is by car. So we have to give everybody better options than they currently have. It's okay. not the same solution for everybody. No. An electric vehicle is a solution for some. Public transport is a solution for some. Okay. Active travel is a solution for some. So we have to look at every single part of the country yeah. and where everyone can re- has the option to reduce the emissions that they I, emit from their transport choice. I have quite a number of suggestions coming in from people. Some listeners seem to think we need much more, a much more radical approach. People talking about a car ban, you know, a limit on the number of days you could even use your car. Others suggesting perhaps we should increase the price of petrol. Just, I want to just pick up on a point that John made a few moments ago, Brian, and, and we've discussed it here previously in, you know, in, in other forums on the show in recent months. But the SUVs, and SUVs are something they've become more and more to- topical and, you know, should they be charged more to drive in the city, charge more for parking, tax them more? All- like, are the, are the SUVs been overly blamed and the wrong for a lot of this? Well, I, I think if you look at SUVs, if a vehicle emits more, it is actually taxed much higher in Ireland. So, you know, like a really high-emitting SUV, could 60% of the price of it is in government tax. So it is, al- it is already heavily taxed. I think we also need to look at the definition of an SUV and a a lot of vehicles that the industry terms as SUVs, some of them are actually quite small cars. So, and I think if I look at the emissions profile, while the worldwide emissions profile of SUVs vis-a-vis, you know, traditional saloon cars isn't good. In Ireland, it's probably, they're probably five or six percent. The SUVs that have been registered in Ireland, and I'm excluding the electric ones here, because if I include the electric ones, um, it's actually, there's very little difference between the between the two types, they're between six and seven percent higher emitting than than, uh, than than a new saloon car. But however, their emissions are much lower than a five-year-old car or a ten-year-old car or a fifteen-year-old car. So, so I do think we do need to look at the types of vehicles we drive. Uh, but I think more importantly, mm. we also need to look at how often we drive and what other options we can have as well. Would you agree with that, John? It's more about the type of car you're driving and how frequently you're in it. Yeah, I would. I, I, I agree with a lot of what Brian has said there, and particularly, and he, he's correctly identified that what's needed here more than anything is the modal shift away from uh, over-dependence in Ireland on, on the private car to solve all our problems, and also over-investment in the private car. So the motorway network uh, and other investments over the last, say, 20, 30 years, practically all the money on transport in Ireland has gone into facilitating basically the private car uh, and that again was politically popular you know politicians love uh, you know cutting ribbons on motorways and so on it's very popular locally and so on and I'm not suggesting that it, they don't have their benefits but they've also had huge downsides it, it has diverted investment away for example from our rail network and away from 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 public and active transport and now as you said uh, a few minutes ago that is changing and as Brian points out most of the investment being committed over the next decade is into public and active transport. And we really need to amp this up drastically. And probably, Andrea, it might be worth briefly saying, for some of your listeners who are saying, yeah, targets, what's this all about? If you just check your news, basically our weather systems globally are falling apart. We have to do this. This is not optional. Mm. This, we're not doing this because anybody wants to tax you or punish you. We're doing this yeah. because we have a global climate well, no, emergency. And I have to say, overall, John, like the, you know, engagement certainly from listeners here to the show today about this. It, it's not. It's not that people don't think you know we need to um, address this. I suppose it's trying to find 
the solutions or what are the solutions? And a lot of the texters here actually think we do need quite radical, uh, a radical approach to this. I, I want to hear listener suggestions. Stay with us, John and Brian, if, if you can for a moment. Um, Bernard is on the line as well. What's your solution, Bernard, to reducing transport emissions in Ireland? Hi, Andrea. Um, I think the carrot has fell off the stick here because we seem to be lashed with, uh, if you own your own vehicle there, you're being kind of bullied and intimidated that uh, basically you're bad for the environment. I don't think that the solutions they're offering at the moment can work. I live in a rural area and unless you have a bus going nearly every few minutes, like we say, if you're in an appointment with the doctor, you have to take that appointment when you get it. And there's no bus going to bring you bang on time. Mm. to see your doctor or bring you home. The same if you go to work. People go to work at different times. Unless, again, if you have public transport that can bring people, pick them up in the morning and bring them directly to work. Other than that, you're adding another maybe four or five hours onto your day to wait for buses. You could be out in the wind, rain, every sort of yeah. conditions. And I think it's very unfair. It's a, a very unfair approach that's been taken. We're a small island. I don't believe we're creating the amount of emissions that uh, we're being told. And I think we can afford to slow down a bit, take practical approaches to this, and wait for technology to pick up. I think, I think people do want change. I think we should be um, setting forestry there. We should have been doing that 10 or 15 years ago. Um, like when you look at it there 20 years ago, we didn't have recycling bins or compost bins. Now we have, and it's a great thing. But I think when you're taking the carrot off the stick and you're blaming people or you want to put up the price of fuel I think it's wrong. Yeah. It's, no, it's no, it's like, wrong I, I, I take I take your your point completely. Um, is that is the, is that not a fair point, John? Like, I mean, Bernard feels that he's un you know unfairly being blamed for not he personally, but rural Ireland being targeted. Is there is that not yeah. a fair point? I know. I mean, I've listened obviously carefully to what Bernard said, but uh, he's he's neither myself nor Brian have 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 made the points that that Bernard feels uh, that he's being attacked under. This is an issue. This is basically how the system has has evolved, uh, and this is this is the what we're stuck with. It isn't a question of blaming anybody. The the issue is this: we're in a very very difficult position. And just again for context for Bernard. Uh, I know there's this idea that Ireland is a small island and we don't, you know, what we do here doesn't matter. Unfortunately, that's not the case. We're probably the second highest per capita emitters in the European Union, which puts us among the world's highest per capita emitters. Now, you might say, well, give me a comparison, give me an analogy, right? Take the five million people in Ireland. We account in our carbon emissions per annum for the equivalent of carbon emissions for about three to four hundred million people living in sub-Saharan Africa. So the idea that we in Ireland are insignificant, unfortunately, when it comes to emissions, we are punching so far above our weight. We have huge, we're huge contributors. And remember, the folks in sub-Saharan Africa that are currently getting hammered by climate change, they're not, they're, they didn't cause it. It isn't their okay. emissions. They're not, drive, so, they're not driving around in SUVs. So, they're, the, they're the victims. And unfortunately, our lifestyles are driving their disasters. What, what's, what is your solution then, Bernard, to this? Well, see, I, th- I think it's very easy there to um, judge our emissions to a developing country. And I don't mean that in any way disrespectful. But I think it's disingenuous there to do that. Um, but... I think, again, like we say, you look at other industries and stuff, we never hear about the big polluters in Ireland. We hear about the car owner, he's to blame. Like when you think of it, an average um, vehicle owner, 
they go to work in the morning, they might drive maybe any time from maybe 15 minutes to an hour. That car is parked up for the day. Then they use the same time going home. That car is parked up for the night. Five day a week. They might go to the shop on the weekend. Um, if you have a second car, that might be to bring the kids to school. You know, it's been perceived that as if we're all jumping into our cars and we're driving around all day. Like, there's nothing being said about freight being uh, on the road okay. 24-7. Like, we say, you could go back years ago, Andrea, where the trains used to shunt the goods up and down the country and you'd less freight. Like, ideas like that could take some of the vehicles off the road okay. as well. But it's not being said. Brian, can I just get you to to just clarify one thing? Because a lot of people are getting in touch about the SUVs. People get very passionate about SUVs and, you know, whether SUV drivers should even pay more tax. And then a lot of the SUV owners feel that they're being blamed, you know, in, in the wrong for all of this and it's unfair. When you talk about an SUV, because most cars you see nowadays are... They're that in-between car. They're neither a Jeep or a saloon car. But So what exactly, in you, how do you define an SUV? Well, look, I, I think it's, it's, it's an industry marketing tool. I mean, historically, SUVs were developed in the US and they were these big pickup Huge cars. Jeeps. Um, and I think, uh, I, I think the majority of what we class as SUVs in our own statistics, um, the vast majority of them are either family-sized crossovers or smaller SUVs, about 5 or 6% of the car market is really large um, SUVs. But, but I'd say if they are high emitting, they are taxed more. I think that's important to underline. So, they, so do you they mean like a Nissan Qashqai or something or a Skoda Kodiak? Is, it, is that what you're talking about or no? Well, most most of the cars, I mean, the Nissan Qashqai, I suppose, in a lot of ways, I don't like to talk about brands, was the Trailblazer in the crossover section. And I think most of the cars are, are that size, um, which are not what historically SUVs mm. were They're called. not a Jeep, but they're in between. They're, you know, so, but if they are higher emitting, they will be taxed more, you know. So I think that's, that, that's important to, to highlight. But okay. I do think it's important. I mean, what Bernard is saying is what people are thinking. And I do, I do think there's a responsibility on legislators and stakeholders yeah. like myself. Oh, there's more corners. You know, to, to, get the, to get the message out there, you know. And I do think it's important that... It, and a, there isn't one solution for everybody. Mm. And Bernard, obviously, he's a, he, he, he lives in a rural area. His only option is, is a car. Yeah. And maybe in 10 years' time, in probably in 10 years' time, his only option would be a car. So he needs to be driving yeah. a less okay. emitting car, I, and ideally an electric one. I, but I, for people living in city centres, the option could well be public or will be public or active transport. I, Evangel- Do you know what? I'm going to take a short break. There's a number of people looking to get in touch. I'm asking you for your solutions today. What do you think we can or should do to reduce transport emissions in Ireland. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk. We're talking about the EPA report. Our transport emissions in Ireland, they've increased 6% in the past year. There's also, of course, been, this is despite the boom in sales of electric cars as well. But we're asking you for your solutions today. What can we do to reduce transport emissions? There's been a lot of reaction to this. 1800 453 106. Angela is with us. Angela, what's your solution? Hi, Andrea. Um, Well, my thought is that at this point, we need a public information campaign because surveys are telling us that um, people in Ireland understand the, um, you know, the climate crisis and that it's caused by greenhouse gas emissions primarily from, from humans, human activities. But, you know, when I look around me, I see people still driving these huge SUVs. And um, so there's a real disconnect there. So I think 
what's called for is a public information campaign, educating people you know, to make that, that connection between their understanding of what's causing the, the climate crisis and then doing something, what we do about it. So we have to get people out of their cars. Um, yes, not people like Bernard who are in rural areas. Some people will continue to need cars. But we have to, I mean, we need transformative change at this point. If we don't, um, you know, put in place transformative change, then the people who are going to suffer are you know, us in future years and definitely our children. So we are, in effect, stealing the future from our kids. And I, I like to think that most mm. people out there are decent people and they don't want to destroy their future for their kids. So... Well- what do you see, Sari, is when you say we... I, I totally take your point, by the way, on the information campaign. I actually think that's that's a great idea. But what do you mean by radical change? Or what, what would you suggest as radical initiatives or reform, well, Angela? Well, the scientists are telling us we need transformative change. And, you know, when we look at um, what's happening, the trajectory with emissions in Ireland, it's obvious that we're completely failing. So, you know, I don't have all the answers, but I do think... Um, things like bans on cars and certain, you know, definitely SUVs. Um, there needs to be some sort of a, a ban on SUVs in certain areas or, or you know, increased parking fees for SUVs. Um, I mean, that's, that's a huge disconnect. Um, an earlier um, caller mentioned that um, there's been a, you know, a boom in sales in the last mm. 10 years in SUVs. I mean, that, that's, that's completely outrageous. And, you know, I... So well, you've already paid more tax, I suppose. You know, yes, if you're driving, but, you know, but but the um, the climate crisis and uh, the, the increase, the global warming, it's a it's, it's a matter of physics. Physics doesn't care about taxes; it cares about how much is being emitted. So, you know, whatever it takes to stop people driving these, we have people have to stop okay. driving these these huge gas emitting. Do you uh, um, gas emitting vehicles? Neil, Neil is on the line as well. Neil's with us too, Angela. Um, what's your suggestion, Neil, to reduce transport emissions here? Well, well there's, there's, there's two issues. I mean, the uh, management of traffic in Dublin has changed uh, uh, over the last, I think, 12 months where... Um, Traffic light sequences are much faster. That's leading to build-up of traffic within the city. That's leading to more emissions. So that's that's the first thing. That's 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 a uh, let's make it unpleasant, and then people will have to change. Uh, the other side of it is, if you don't want people to use cars, you have to have a transport system that is work that works and works for everybody. What part Why of the country from, are you in? Uh, well, I was in Dublin yesterday. I came up from Waterford. Okay. And, um, if I took public transport now yesterday, uh, I was I had to go to Dublin. I had a meeting in Dublin, and then I went to um, uh, Kildare. If I did that by public transport, uh, she'd be still I'd in have the bus. Had to do an overnight. I'd have had to have an overnight. I'd have had to go back into Dublin to get from Kildare back down mm-hmm. to to Waterford. I would have had to leave at the at the latest seven in the morning. Yeah. As it is, I left at nine. Um, very simple thing for me on the rail. The rail link from Dublin to uh, to Waterford is it's nearly three hours. Uh, it's not that Gosh, far. Yeah, and I one know. of the reasons is because you have to go into Kilkenny and back out onto the main line. Now the solution there is very simple. Uh, you 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 build a station where people from Kilkenny can take a short line that have them all over the continent, bringing you to the main the main line station and then you pick up the train going mm. to Dublin or, or down to Waterford or whatever. So there's a lot of stuff we could do with infrastructure. Do the infrastructure first. 
then look for changes in habits. Do you... If the infrastructure is there, you have no excuse yeah. not to use it. At the moment, it's not there. Could you rely on public transport in Waterford? Not where I live. Uh, right. We have a, a new route from Dungarvan now to Kilkenny, goes past my house. It's uh, I'm four miles in, uh, from, from the city, from Dungarvan, sorry. And... Um, but it only stops at the at the main villages. It doesn't stop at the mm. um, uh, you know. You can't wave it down. You see, you know? I think more uh, people. I think more people would use public transport daily to get around if it was there. If you could rely on it, if there were options, availability. I have no doubt in my mind that that more people would absolutely use public transport. Alistair is well, with us as well in in Galway. Just let me bring Alistair in, Neil, for a moment. Um, what's the situation actually? First, Alistair in Galway. Could you rely on public transport? Not at all. I live um, four miles from the. I live four miles from the nearest uh, public transport um, bus stop or train stop. So I do need to rely on my car. So I'm only speaking from somebody from um, a rural background. I just like one one suggestion. As a I, my my petrol car will probably last another ten years or something. I can't afford an electric, but I am prepared. I'm prepared to invest about two thousand euros to get my car. Um, to take LPG, uh, liquid petroleum gas. And I'm prepared to invest in that, to do that. It's slightly cheaper. But I'm afraid that the government aren't going to support that. So it's, I don't know if it, uh, if any of your scientists there can help me or, you know, people that you have on board, but I don't know, understand. I know it's quite, um, it's used in Europe, it's used in the UK. I'm wondering, is the, is the support going to be here? Just as a stopgap until my car sort of, Dies or whatever, and I, I hopefully by that stage I can afford an electric car, or there's a train track that is closer to me, or a, a bus station that is closer to me. So I'm just wondering, is there mm. anyone out there that that is interested in this? Or okay. is it go, like I, I tried to email um, Eamon got about it, and of course I got a gobbledygook um, politician's answer with no real answer in it. Well, but I, I know that I LPG is know used around Europe. Yeah, I, I, to be honest with you, Alistair, I certainly don't have the answer to that. And I, I, no, I'm i not sure how it works, free. but I can find, we can certainly, um, whenever we're, we're chatting to, you know, Geraldine Herbert or if Brian was still with us there from, from SIMI, we can certainly have a chat about that someday and, and, and see what options are or how that might work. I don't know if there's other people uh, interested in your suggestion as well. Um, maybe if there is. Look, lunchtime live at newstalk.com is the email address if you're um, maybe thinking about something similar there to Alistair and you'd like to find out more about it. Is Martin on the line as well? Martin, are you there? Good afternoon. Hi, Andrew. How you doing? Good. What's your now, proposal? I was I was in the motorhead for years and then I mean, it's probably heating. The, the old, like, if the government are serious about reducing the emissions, there's thousands and thousands of 20, 30, 40-year-old diesel vehicles still drive around the roads every day of the week, mm. which are very, very bad for the environment. Really, anything over 10 years should be taken off the road. Well, I was interested. Brian Cook made that point as well. You know, he, like he said, he talked about the, the emissions from the um, high-emitting vehicles and then the similarity with cars that are beyond or older than 10 years old as well. Yeah, like you take any, any of the modern vehicles, whether they're petrol or diesel, are very, very, very clean running vehicles compared to something that's 20, 30, 40 year old. Very clean. Also, another thing that needs to be done is uh, the modern oil boilers, condensing oil boilers, very clean, very low emissions. And I know for a fact there's around half a million plus old oil boilers, 20, 30, and 40 
euros and older still being used around the country because people can't afford to upgrade. If they were upgraded, there'd, there'd be a huge reduction in emissions. Guaranteed. Huge emissions. Well, Another thing, what the, what the government should do is reduce the VRT on new cars, right? And then people will be able to afford to buy it and mm-hmm. get rid of all their old stock. But sure, isn't that why there's so much discussion around it, the EV grant and the change to that? Yeah, but the EV grant has been reduced. Yeah. It's now. Very different. But I'm, I'm talking about diesel and petrol cars, still new diesel and petrol cars. They should be reduced to VRT and then, then people could upgrade their old 20, 30-year-old car and get something more cleaner that's more environmentally friendly as well. It's just common sense. Okay. You know I mean? know you see, they're, they're all obsessed now with electric, 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 electric. It's like, like the same thing like you have with the, the, the air-to-water heat pumps. They're all obsessed with this. They won't tolerate any other heat system on the air-to-water. The just majority of people I don't have air-to-water. They have savage yeast beavers. Okay. Huge. And the okay. houses are all too warm. Houses are all too warm. They can't stick the heat in the house. Because you can't just switch it on nothing like you can with an oil boiler. Put that radiator. Switch it off, send the radiator. The radiator is cooled down. Because yeah, the Irish weather really is not, a climate is not suitable for air to water, in right. my opinion. Because the weather is so mild, you have this constant heat coming above the floor, you can't just switch it off, switch it back out again, because the floor would keep giving out heat for the 24 hours. There's a text in two I see just on that from Rosemary who says, we have just become a two EV car household. We charge them through our own, um, the PV panels. Really annoys me though when I'm driving my very low emission car behind a car or a van that's spewing out black smoke, not caring about the environment or pedestrians. Another listener, why do people feel the need to go on not just one or two foreign holidays a year? The fumes from the airplanes crucifying the environment. Uh, Another texter, where did I see the message? Yeah. Rural Ireland's not always the ones contributing to transport emissions. It's the people in the big cities who sit in the heavy traffic with the engines running. Lunchtime Live with Andrea Gilligan. Weekdays at midday on News Talk.